Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that raises money in order to pay for people who are struggling with HSV stigma to receive therapy sessions from licensed mental health care providers. I don't even know if uh, licensed mental health care providers was the right word, but therapists and counselors. So right now we're working uh, with people in Missouri uh, because it's where our counselors located. So as we continue to get more money, we can begin to expand and connect with more licensed mental health professionals. That's the word I meant to use, not providers, uh, and get more people help and support uh, as they need it. So you can visit www.spfpp.org and scroll down to uh, the options to donate right now, PayPal, Venmo, and you can become a Patreon subscriber. These are all three options that are on the homepage. If you need to use Cash App, hit me up, Courtney at spfpp.org. One more quick announcement before we start the podcast. I started a Something Positive for Positive People Facebook group the for the podcast. So it's just called Something Positive for Positive People. Um, it'll be searchable. It's private. So I'll have to just approve all of the members that come in. But everyone who comes in here is coming because they heard this on the podcast or a podcast listener recommended that they join. So this group is not exclusive to people who are positive for HSV. It's more so for the listeners. Now, granted, like 99% of the listeners have herpes and the other 1% of listeners don't know if they have herpes or haven't been diagnosed. Let me say that. But what I want to do is just foster a community, a community that um, a lot of the HSV advocates and content creators on Instagram, I want to be able to share their uh, information uh, in a space where people who may not be active on Instagram wouldn't have uh, exposure to. And this isn't exclusively about the podcast. It's just a space where community is building. And um, I want people to begin to see themselves, you know, with and around people who may or may not have herpes. You know, it doesn't really matter. But we're all connecting through the fact that uh, the Something Positive for Positive People podcast has been a support resource. And so come in. Just don't be a jerk. Don't be mean to people and uh, share memes. You can make friends, connect, have your virtual dates, have real life dates, you know, take in whatever precautions, hook up, whatever it is that you all want to do. But I want this to be a safe space where people can begin to see themselves, not exclusively around people with herpes or exclusively around people that they're wondering, oh, my God, do they know if I have herpes or do I need to tell them how long is it going to take? Um, but I want to begin to integrate um, the community of people who are positive for HSV with people who might be positive with HSV uh, and expand this to the next level. So, again, that's just on Facebook, the Something Positive for Positive People podcast group. Um, I'll be the only administrator. I'll have a couple of moderators that I trust to just monitor the content. But for the most part, this is going to be a free flowing uh, people run group. If I see any bullshit, I will not hesitate to have a conversation with you. If we need to have more than one conversation, then we're going to have to see if there's something else that's a better fit for you. Now, that out of the way, Gemini, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? I've been better. Um, I've been sick for the last week. 
um, on Sunday, what, what's today, the 20th? Sunday, September 13th, um, I woke up with body aches, really, really bad body aches. Like my entire body was like a new level of sore. And it wasn't like a, I just did leg day sore. It was a, what the fuck is wrong with me sore. And um, I was cold. It could be the weather changing. I thought that, but this was, <laughs> this was something different. Uh, oh, and I was, I was really in denial about, you know, the fact that this might have been COVID. Um, right. I was like hoping that it was just some sort of herpes symptoms because of, uh, perhaps it was nerve pain. Right. Um, I, yeah. I get that a lot myself. Okay, cool. Well, I'm not crazy, but I, I thought that, and then I started <laughs> talking to people and my grandmother's a nurse. I let her know my symptoms. I've been pushing off like communicating with her at all. Um, I have a test that will arrive here tomorrow evening um, for the COVID. I didn't want to go anywhere or anything like that. So the well, test. Yeah. And I, I think that's something else we should mention while we're here. Like not only is it important to be getting tested for STDs and STIs regularly or with each new partner every six months, whatever your groove is as far as that goes, but people also need to be getting tested for COVID if they think that they're showing any signs at all or if you're around somebody who you think is showing signs. Yeah, and this shit hit me out the blue. Like, I describe it as I felt like my yeah. body got hit by a train, knocked in front of a bus, and then I was just laying there and a little kid on a big wheel just rolled over me. <laughs> like, that's what yeah, it feels for real. like. But uh, I'm on the up and up from it. Right now, I'm a little nasally, uh, a, like a little bit of a cough or sore throat just started on Thursday. Um, but today, I feel better than I have felt like the entire week. So um, I've been doing some interviews because I just couldn't leave the house and I was just like sitting down. Um, right. Lying still was the thing that hurt the most for me. Like just trying mm-hmm. to go to sleep hurt like a MF. And so, like, sitting up like this is fine, or was fine. That's good. Or spinning around it's the really chair. It's really tricky up here in Colorado right now because it's hard to distinguish from, like, seasonal allergies or, like, flu-like symptoms or COVID symptoms because our state is on fire. Like, everything's on fire right now. And, the like, my whole town is orange all day and covered with ash. Like, our cars are covered with ash. It's insane because our mountain forests are on fire. And they're trying to get it detained. It's just taking longer than we would have originally hoped. How are you? Like, are you okay? Is your family all right? Yeah, so I actually uh, don't speak to a lot of my family uh, for a lot of different reasons, mostly being political reasons, as I'm from Texas, and they don't agree with my political beliefs. They're diehard Southern Republicans. So, yeah. Um and that's fine. Like, each to their own. I have said everything I can to try to influence them to see both sides of everything. They're just not having it. But they're down in Texas. They're doing okay, as far as I know from other family members that I speak to. I, however, moved up over 1,500 or, uh, yeah, 1,500 feet in elevation. I have terrible asthma. I'm very allergy sensitive. So it's been hard. Like, I can't ride my bike right now to the coffee shop that's right down the street because of it, because everything's just, it's too ashy out here, and I can't breathe. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And I still wear a mask. Let me add that. <laughs> I yeah. still wear a mask everywhere I go. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm judging from the Black Lives Matter and rainbow flag and the shirt that says dying on it. I'm going to assume that that has yeah. a little bit to do with why you don't really connect with your family. Yep. 
Yeah, and it's funny because, like, so I've always been alternative. My parents were alternative. My dad was in prison for a long time, so it's very weird to me that he is pro-Trump and, like, like a super hard Republican because I was taught from such a young age by them that, like, don't talk to cops. Like, don't engage. Like, you know, watch your surroundings when you're around cops and stuff like that. And when my dad got out of prison when I was around 15, it was just like, no, Trump, like, yeah, like, let's do that. It's just, and I brought that up to him. I was like, it's very confusing, like, as your daughter who was raised in an alternative, quote-unquote, lifestyle and raised to, like, treat everybody around me with respect because I grew up in Dallas. Like, I lived in Oak Cliff for a while. Like, I lived at Five Points. And, like, you're around such diversity. It's like it never really was a thought for me to, like, not view people as people. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly... Um, oh, it's incredibly, like, odd to me that he doesn't see things the same way that I see them after being, you know, victimized by the prison systems and everything like that, that he's still on those political thoughts, whereas I, you know, super pride happy, I love having my flags out, I love having my BLM flag out, even though I live in a super white conservative neighborhood here in Colorado, but yeah. yeah. That's why we don't talk. <laughs> yeah. I'm always curious to know, like, why people who are so such diehard Trump supporters who you would think wouldn't be are. Like, did he does he say why or is he just like, liberals suck? No. <laughs> yeah. He, he's that way. And it was like, you know, my dad went to prison for drug charges for possession, selling, distribution, and using. Um, and he was a biker when he went in. Like, I he was a biker. He... Like, he's who showed me metal music for the first time at a very young age, like, like through his letters and stuff like that. And, like, my uncles, like, listened to metal. And it was just it was very confusing for me when he got out because he went in, like, you know, I only saw him on, like, when he would get leave um, from prison to come to family events and stuff. And it was just very confusing when he got out for good and was just like, mm, Trump. Like, the way he just goes like, in, he goes in, fuck the police and comes out, protect our boys in blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very, and he's a felon. It's not like he can vote anyways. Like, <laughs> my, it's interesting because, like, with my family dynamics, uh, my dad and I have political discussions all the time, and we can disagree like very well. So I, I find it very interesting that you know, so many people on like a massive scale, there's no, uh, there's no conversation between people that's really going anywhere. It's just like people are talking. Right talking for their social media followings or talking at whatever opposition whenever we have these polarities. It's performative. The, the sad truth is, is a lot of it's performative. Yeah. So we weren't supposed to take this route too much, but we ended up doing it. I'm glad we did because it's nice to talk to people. I just, like I said, I've been oh, in yeah. here fucking just <laughs> in my apartment. I'm really proud of my mom, though. Like, my mom's doing really well with everything. Uh, my mom's Jewish. And so, like, I think a lot of the reason she's so personally struck and saddened by everything is like it's like she totally like not entirely obviously because it's two different forms of oppression and everything like that but it hurts her to sit here and watch people be told that they don't deserve the same rights and stuff like that it hurts her because she's like you know I had to listen to my grandparents talk about it like from their point of view being uh, Jewish people like it it hurts her and you know she, like, is totally, like, respectful of uh, my sexuality and my sibling sexualities, like, even my straight ones. Like, she has love for everyone, and she's 
done a lot of changes as far as that goes. And it's now like straying from it being performative to being completely art-filled. And I'm really proud of her for that. Good. Now, you said all of your siblings' different sexualities. I'm, I'm hearing that you have a lot of siblings. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I only, so I've lost three of my siblings to suicide. Um, one was an uncle that my mom raised as her own kid, so I grew up with him being my older brother. But my dad went and had uh, ch- several children with other women. My mom had several children with other fathers. Only two of us had the same biological parents on each side, and he passed away last year. Okay. My condolences. To drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, you okay to talk about this a little bit? Yeah. I Yeah, definitely. I'm a funeral director. Or I was a funeral director before the virus, so I'm very used to, like, explaining to people, like, I know the grieving process very well, so. Mm. Um, so, sexuality of siblings and the and suicide, like, were these connected at all? So, uh, for two of them, I don't think so. For my younger brother, um, he voiced that he was questioning at a young age, but from what I heard, because we didn't grow up in the same families, because he was adopted at birth by a different family who was much more uh, inclined to take care of him financially and everything. But it was, I was told that he questioned it when he was younger, like in middle school age, and he got bullied relentlessly for it. When I finally got to meet him, and everything he was sure that he was straight but it did still seem like a touchy subject but his was mostly just for people that say that uh, addiction is not hereditary I can't really believe that personally because he got adopted to a completely sober family at birth I grew up with addicts he still became an addict and I did not so it's just I think that that had a lot to do with it um wanted to act out he wanted to act tough he got involved with the wrong people quote-unquote you know just other kids making bad choices essentially and it led him down the wrong path and he you know a lot of resentment for being placed for adoption and stuff like that oh wow okay um you as a survivor of suicide times four did you say there were four people three three okay so with three suicides around you how, how has that affected you Um, So I struggle with mental illness as well. I got diagnosed with depression and OCD in the form of panic attack disorder um, when I was like 14, I think. And so I struggle with my own issues and, you know, getting diagnosed with HSV didn't help that, but I've learned how to cope. I'm not medicated. I, I have my own coping mechanisms that really help for me, like art and stuff, but it's hard. um, Mostly like watching my mother and my father stuff like that like when I was still speaking to my father like he never got to meet my brother while he was still alive and it was very sad like watching you know it's never nice to see like somebody who you see as like strong and like was in prison and like so tough like it's not nice seeing them break down and cry like it's never a good feeling my mom lost not only her brother but also somebody she viewed as a son and her her kid's brother and then her actual biological son so that was very rough for her. She struggles a lot with depression as well. And, you know, survivor's guilt. She feels partially to blame for placing him for adoption. She feels partially to blame because she wasn't help, able to help her brother struggle, like, while he was struggling with addiction and stuff like that. I think that's the hardest part, is watching my mother and my two younger siblings struggle with it. It's probably the hardest part for me. 
Yeah. Uh, the way that you speak about it, it seems like you're the most, I don't want to say the strongest, but you, you're the most there. Like you're the, you're the glue, you're the connecting piece, like kind of holding everything together for everyone else. How are you taking care of yourself? Um, a lot of writing I've started, I got a Polaroid a few years back and I've started doing daily challenges. So I'll go out and try to find something that fits that day's theme to take a picture of for myself. So I have like good memories to look back upon, even on sad days, like the anniversary of my siblings' deaths and stuff. I like mostly focus on like trying to make sure that that day I'm doing something that they would be proud of. As far as my own mental health goes, it's a lot of making sure I'm sitting down and reading and writing enough to accommodate like what I need emotionally it's a lot of artwork that is sometimes very sad or violent or disturbing artwork but it helps me get all of my emotions out I think and being able to look at them and being like okay this is something I can handle that helps and I have a support dog I have a pit bull that I've had for five years and he is my crutch (laughs) good good all right so um you're taking care of yourself you've got your vehicles of self-expression and Um, You're also able to take care of other people. Earlier, you mentioned that you had been diagnosed with depression and that being diagnosed with HSV didn't really help that. So you want to jump into that now? (laughs) 18 minutes, 17 17 minutes into the podcast. Now we're talking about what we're here for. sisters and just everyone taking care of each other as a family unit um and I was like a diehard straight edge kid because I was like my parents are addicts I don't want to be like that and then around 15 I started you know smoking pot which isn't a bad thing I don't smoke anymore but yeah it helped with my OCD and it helped with my depression and anxiety so that was what I did and you know I started hanging out with older people and that wasn't the move like that's another thing for any like young kids that are listening to this like those older guys they don't have anything to offer you. Like, they really don't. That's not bad. Um, and so I hung out with an older guy and made some bad decisions. And he, apparently he disclosed his HSV status to me while I was under the influence. And I had decided that since we had already engaged in physical activity that I was just going to continue dating him because, you know, I was young and naive and trying to, like, live a heteronormative life and be with a man. And I was like, yeah, like, I can deal with that. Like, we're going to get married. There's what, why does it matter if I'm marrying somebody who has it? Like, it'll be fine. And then we ended up breaking up because he struggled with addiction as well. And about a week after that, I ran to his apartment and laid on the bathroom floor. And I was like, what is this? Like, what is this? What's happening? I'm in so much pain. And, you know, because your first outbreak is, normally the worst (laughs) and being a kid and never having experience like I've broken a lot of bones I'm I was a very sick kid but like the itchiness and you know the all over body sores and everything like that it was I wanted to know what was happening because when he did disclose it to me while he was under the influence and then again while I was not but to be honest 90% of the time while I was with him I was um it was never what the symptoms are like it was never what actually happened it was just like this is a thing that I live with and I was like okay sounds great we're gonna be together forever (laughs) um so that day he was like that's herpes that's HSV like 
you have it. And I was like, okay. And so I went to the doctor and they confirmed it. And, you know, it did take a big toll on me mentally because I think especially for young people, I feel like for anyone, but especially like young people, young women, um, it's, you know, you already know that you're going to get shamed if people find out, especially in a tiny Texas town. Like, especially being alternative, like I've been, I had a giant mohawk in high school and already got called all kinds of slurs, like as far as like, you know, the word slut and whore being thrown around before I had even had my first kiss. So, cause I didn't have my first kiss until I was 17. Like it was, I already was getting called those names and I was like, well, if anyone finds out, it's going to be 10 times worse, you know? And so that actually did end up happening. My best friend at the time got jealous of that older guy and she found out that I had it because I went to her obviously and I was like I don't know what to do she ended up telling the entire high school um yeah so that was rough but that's also when I decided how I was going to handle disclosure if you want to get into disclosure yeah let's get into it yeah okay awesome so everybody has you know a different method for how they disclose their status to people um I don't like the word herpes. I think that it's not a very sex positive word. I feel like it's a criminalized word, essentially. Like, it sounds so bad. There's such a stigma attached to it. And that's a lot of the reason I'm on this podcast is trying to help. You know, I'm only 21 now. Like, and I got it at such a young age. But I feel like it's very important to, like, tell young people whether, no matter what you have going on physically down there, like, it's going to be okay. Like, it's really, really hard, and you're going to struggle a lot, but it's going to be okay, and, like, you seriously can't pay attention to the names that people are calling you because you have HSV. And I feel like a lot of that is in the form of herpes jokes at a young age. I still hear them. I hear them from my partner's friends all the time, and it's just like, yeah, okay. But um, my personal form of disclosure is I tell everybody. I seriously do. I don't see anything wrong with it. I am a cam model, so I... You know, I'm already online. Everybody already says stuff about me. It is what it is. So I make it a point to tell everybody when I had Tinder, it was in my profile. Like, it's just something that's part of me now. And I I forget that I have it all the time. Like, I can go days without thinking about it. And then I'll just be like, oh, yeah, like, (laughs) okay, when somebody brings it up, I'll be like, yeah, I do. I have that. But so a lot of it is if I'm around a group of people that don't know I have it and a joke goes like, a joke is told about somebody with herpes or the punchline is herpes or something like that. It's normally me just being like, Oh yeah, I have that. And people will be like, Whoa, are you serious? And I'll just be like, yeah, like what about it? And normally no one says anything. They're just like, Oh, okay. That's good to know. And my thoughts on that is if everybody knows, including my friends who I'm not sexually attracted to or romantically attracted to, if it's just strictly platonically, it's still good for them to know because not only does it show that I'm not ashamed of it, But also, in the future, if for any reason anything physical were to happen, I know that they already know. So, let's say, like, I met a girl at a party, and she knows that I have herpes, because everybody knows, and probably, somebody probably was like, oh yeah, by the way, Jem has herpes, and I was just like, yeah, I do. (laughs) And, you know, a year later, we're hanging out, and she... I'm like, yo, I'm into you. And she's like, yeah, I really like you too. It's not another conversation I have to have and feel weird about when I have to sit down and be like, I, you know, I have HSV. Like it's already known. It's already in the air. Like my partner now, he knew because everyone got told in high school and we knew each other in high school. We didn't talk in high school. We talked after high school and 
give, like, I reminded him, because I was like, hey, uh, you remember that, right? And he was like, yeah, Jim, everybody knows. <laughs> like, and I was like, cool, just wanted to make sure. So yeah. that's how I handle disclosure. I don't know how you handle disclosure. I've only listened to a couple of your episodes, but I know that a lot of it, like, from what I've heard from other people is, like, it sucks having that first conversation about it. Like, it sucks if you have to go on multiple days, and then when it finally, when it become physical with that person it sucks having to sit down and be like i have hsv or i have herpes because i tried that once and it resulted in me crying like and the other person was like yeah that's not an issue like everybody has it and i was like cool like glad we're on the same page but it could have gone really bad yeah uh you're on a you, you made a bunch of really good points here and the one that's standing out to me the most right now is uh how if it's out there it's not in here eating you up. Right. Like allow it to just exactly. be out there and do its own thing rather than eat you up from the inside. Because if you've got to constantly wonder, when am I going to tell this person? How, how are they going to find out? What are they going to think of me? Like when your friend group already knows, uh, I think that that speaks to your personality. It speaks to your character. And it's like, oh yeah, everyone knows Gemini. She's cool. Oh, oh, herpes. Yeah, she's got it. She doesn't care about it. It's so no big deal. And yeah, you, and almost, I've had people try to bully me for it. Yeah, and my friends are like, everyone knows, like you look stupid, like. And that's what that's that's really cool that you have that experience to speak to. Um, another thing that I want to point out is dating wise. So it sounds like your dating pool is essentially your friend group or the extension mm-hmm. of your friend group. So wait, all right. So I'm I'm gathering that meet girls, dating a guy. I'm gathering that you're in some form or fashion non-monogamous. Uh, so I was at one point. Me and my boyfriend now are monogamous. Okay. We tried being non-monogamous. Um, he wasn't ready for that. Uh, <laughs> as far as maturity goes. I like. Oh no! Wait, wait, wait! You're 21 years old, and you're saying that he wasn't ready for that. <laughs> so he is only a year older than me, which is not my fashion. I am dating men, they are older. However, he is like the one exception. I don't ever see myself dating men besides him. Like if him and I's relationship were to end, I'm really sick of trying to try to push myself to be in a heteronormative relationship. It's just not my thing. I've always been into girls. I knew at a very young age. Um, but it was really funny because when we did try it, it was with my ex's girlfriend because they're poly. So I was like, well, let's invite her. She's someone that I'm comfortable with. She's someone that I trust. She's someone who knows about my status. And that was that. But he just wasn't mature enough. He didn't understand that it's still cheating if you don't tell your partner your plans with another person. So, yeah. (laughs) But we're monogamous now. Okay. How do you get to a place of having these discussions, especially having, I'm going to assume that herpes was your first SCI diagnosis? taken advantage of another time in high school and got diagnosed with HPV. Okay. 
So we've gotten HPV and then at 17, herpes. Um, and between 17 and 21, like you just, you, you're a very sex positive person. You're very comfortable with uh -huh. talking about your sexual health. How are you with talking um, to and about, to your partners about their sexual health, about sexual health in general, outside of just yours? Oh, I am somebody who is a very big advocate for get tested every time you get a new partner. And if you're monogamous, you still get tested every six months. And all of my friends know that because we'll talk about it anytime one of them like matches with a new girl on Tinder or goes through a breakup and starts dating somebody else. It is, you need to go get tested before you do anything else. Make it a date. You guys can go get tested together before you decide to sleep together. That's literally what I say to them. It's like, make it a party. We can all go get tested. I need to get tested soon. Like, we can all go because it shouldn't be villainized the way it is. I think what you're doing with your Facebook group is amazing because I really do think that there needs to be a community, a more ways, way more sex positive community for several reasons. But H, uh, STI and STD diagnoses need to be a part of that. Like, definitely, especially in younger communities, because we, like, 21-year-olds and 18-plus right now, like, in that age range, like, through 18, through, like, I'd say, like, 35, we are extremely sex-positive compared to generations before us, different age groups before us, and we can talk about, like, yeah, like, sex work is totally cool and you know hooking up with people is totally fine and non-monogamy is totally fine however that all can go very wrong very fast if you're not getting tested and so like i think what you're doing with your community or your facebook community is really good because it needs to be a place where everyone can be sex positive and like i said the same way with my disclosure if it's out there everybody knows it's not a conversation that you have to have and i think having a facebook community for that is a genius idea Thank you. I appreciate that. Because uh, with the Facebook group, uh, Something Positive for Positive People podcast, um, I'm not sure what direction it's going to go. It's going to be more so listener focused and based um, because I feel like I feel like I'm at a place where I'm constantly having to hide certain aspects of um, what I want to happen, like in other groups, like in some groups, you have to censor yourself because um they're exclusive to people with HSV. Um, some are secret groups where people are there, but they would like just completely lose their shit if someone outside the group were to find out or if the wrong person were to get in there. And I'm going to be honest, I don't have it in me to do all this monitoring and shit. So and my, my thing is um, this entire community has been created uh, at this point, you know, tens of thousands of people have listened to the podcast. So, you know, a few hundred hear this message and then just decide, oh, I want to be a part of that community. You know, it can be something that spreads from here with the intention of, at its core, something positive for positive people is a suicide prevention resource. It just so exactly. happens to serve people who are living with HSV. And it just so happens to branch out into mental health and sex positivity. And there's a very powerful connection between sex education and, or I'm sorry, uh, sexual health and mental health because so much yeah. of our identities are centered around our sexual health. And so being able to have this kind of space where people can explore that and talk about that and perhaps practice disclosing to one another, maybe even like have a, a, a network of friends 
um, that they may be open to dating or having conversations with and just seeing that there are in fact people who are out there that may or may not have herpes but also are also sex positive and safe to connect with and disclose to and all those kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, so for example, like, my partner and I have been to get, like, sleeping together for three years at this point, and he does not have it. And we are not always the best about protection. But he, but like, obviously, like, we don't engage in physical activity. If I'm having an outbreak or feel like I'm going to have an outbreak. But skin shedding is still a thing. Like, virus shedding is still a thing. They spoke in depth about it on this podcast will kill you. And you know, but he still doesn't have it, and he gets tested regularly. So there are safe ways for people that have HSV and people who do not to have relationships, whether it be romantic or sexually. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important to show people that. Yeah, um, I'm I'm frustrated for you in how your status got out there. Someone, your your friend, basically told the school, but it sounds like that was a really good thing that happened for you at the end of it because the lesson in it was I, I think it was too the lesson I really do was that if everyone knows nobody can find out and you weren't mm-hmm. were you were you shamed afterwards so you said that you were made fun of and called all these names because you were alternative and have it uh, had a mohawk in high school but like once people <laughs> knew like did your is that when your friend group stuck up for you and was like hey yeah she has herpes so what about it like what are you trying to yeah, make us laugh so- yeah, so she was, like, kind of more of a popular kid, um, and but, like, my friend group was, like, the nerds and the stoners and, like, stuff like that, and they were, like, after it came out, like, shitty popular people would try to talk about it, and surprisingly, a lot of really popular guys, like, on the football team and stuff still tried to hit me up, which was very funny, even after they found out. I thought it was hilarious, because it's like, you're dating a head cheerleader, and you want to sleep with the goth chick that has herpes? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me laugh, I'm a cop. But that's, that's, so that's, uh, that's, that's not funny. There's something else. I can't think of the word right now, but the irony, the irony, that's it. Yeah. Like, even though, and I'm going to try and talk through this as best I can, but like the way that attraction works, like there is just something about people who know who they are and are able to be themselves and own their truth, their reality, that is more attractive than a person who feels a need to live up to these beauty standards, expectations of society, right? So yeah, the head cheerleader gets up earlier just to put on makeup, goes through all these extra hoops to just make sure (laughs) yeah yeah like uh, you throw the hoodie on and the sweatpants and the piercings like there's something (laughs) that's it (laughs) it's so easy uh but to just be able to like see a person in who they really are and i think that the people who see themselves have a really good radar for seeing other people as they are as well but back to, back to your question, yeah, it was a lot of, like, nobody really gave me crap for my, like, status after that. Like, they were just like, oh, word, like, okay. And if somebody did, my friends would be like, why are you trying to bully her? Like, Jen's sweet to everyone. Like, she may look scary, but she's a sweetheart. Like, I was in all AP classes except for math, and I hung out with the stoners and the nerds, and nobody really cared. They were like, Jen doesn't bully anyone. She's not mean to anybody that doesn't deserve it. Like, 
I don't understand why you're trying to be mean to her. That was a lot of it. It was like, Jem has shown, like, that she's nice and very accepting, and that's rare in smaller town schools, I think. So the fact that I could get along with so many different people from so many different backgrounds really spoke for itself. So when people did try to attack me for having herpes or try to, like, claim that I was being promiscuous, which is another stigma that's really associated with having an STD or an STI, people just be like, you don't know what you're talking about, and you should really go have a conversation with her because you're being completely misled by whatever you're getting told. Yeah, and so here we have your situation of just, like, being who you are and bringing in the people in your life who are good people and who speak up for you. You have a really good support system. That's what I'm hearing here is that your support system has really been good to you. I, I, like, I lost a lot of that support system like after high school. Like When that girl told everybody, like I don't speak to anybody from high school except for Dom or my partner anymore. But um, like... And I don't have many friends out here. I moved to a completely different state with just me and my partner, like, not knowing anybody. And so, and I don't have social media, like, as we've discussed previously. Like, I don't, I, you know, it's just not for me. Um, But, like, I really having that support system to begin with and then knowing that I was going to be okay and that I'm okay with my status and I'm okay, like, being sex positive and I'm okay with who I am as a person. I think it's very important to have support systems. I currently don't have a very strong one besides, like, my mother and my sisters and my boyfriend. But, like, I don't really need a big one because I've already assured myself that I'm golden. Like, people can talk and say what they want, but it's no sort off my back. Like, All right. So not having any social media. Um, I just watched this documentary on Netflix called Social Dilemma. And it talks about, you know, social media use and um, it provides a lot of statistic information about what's happening, how it's actually being used and its impacts on our mental health as a society from kids to adults um, to influencing our behavior. Like it's literally changing our behavior. And so my question to you is having no social media or at one point, did you ever have it? Let me ask you that. I have. Uh, I had Instagram and Facebook in high school, mm-hmm. um, and I've tried doing Twitter. I've tried doing Instagram again, but I really I'll log on like I'll download the app like every six months just to check and see if anybody's reached out, like distant family or yeah. stuff like that. It's just not for me. I don't really see the point. I did download TikTok because some of that shit is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's about it. Now. With your, your current, like, the people around you, do you feel like having social media changes your relationship dynamics with the people who you're with or around in real life? Yeah, I definitely do. I feel like, I feel like it can lead to a lot of miscommunication. Like, just as simple as, like, posting memes and, like, statuses and stuff like that. There are so many times in high school where I'd post something, like, edgy and depressed and emo or whatever on Facebook as a kid, and, like, my aunt would call me and be like, are you okay? And I was just like, it's a lyric. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's okay. I, I see that, and I see that, like, people talk at the world at their friends on Facebook and followings when what they actually are saying needs to be said directly to one person in person. 
Um, like there's lots exactly. of venting, there's lots of complaining, there's lots of validation seeking. And the quantity of that feedback, those likes, those comments that we get from people who have no context of what's going on outside of what we're sharing, it 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 seems to it never really outweighs the quality of the person that that message is actually intended for like getting their mm-hmm. validation getting their feedback um and we constantly look for it so instead of just having a discussion with someone like we'll post a status and have discussions with people about why we're right because oftentimes that's who's engaging with us people who are just validating us and supporting us without any context of the other side you know they say there's three three sides to a story my side your side and the truth and if they're just getting my side they've got 33.3 with the line over the top of it for everyone who's good in math uh percent of what it actually is say that I don't think that social media is a good thing like I told you like your Facebook community like that seems amazing I feel like social media definitely could be used for the greater good I think that the like outpouring of validation for um like the younger kids who have ex- hyper conservative families who are supporting BLM who are being friends like or like showing that their friendships with people that are in the LGBTQ plus community, like our genuine friendships, like I feel like that validation is a very good thing, especially when you have people at home telling you that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I feel like social media is great for you know people becoming more sex positive. I feel like it's a great thing for people who um, are like us, and we're like we have this thing, and it's something we live with all the time. Normalizing things like that is extremely important, and social media definitely could be used for the betterment of all of that but at the same time you have trolls and people who disagree online who are going to oppose your stance on things which is okay and healthy debates is good and it can be a great tool however if you don't think that you're mentally stable enough to be able to see each side of that social media probably isn't the place that you need to be yeah And, you know, oftentimes we don't know that we're not in a good place (laughs) because of social media until we take a break from it. Um, I've scheduled breaks for myself away from just being uh, H on my chest on Instagram. You know, I've just deleted myself off of there for a week, um, a couple of different times or a weekend even. And just felt refreshed, like being more engaged with my real environment because uh, and this is a quick story I'll try and make this as fast as I can here but when I was diagnosed I remember after finding the online communities of people with herpes I really liked myself in those communities of people who knew what my status was uh, because I felt seen and I felt safe and free to be myself to the point where whenever I engage with my real life day-to-day friends who didn't know I had herpes like I'd still be on my phone like engaging with people online and I hit a crossroads of okay I like myself more when I'm on the internet with these complete strangers than I do when I'm in person with the people that I've known half my life at least. I got to do something well, about this. Well, that's a really good realization as well. And then like, like see, just seeing that and noticing that you need to change your surroundings in real life. Well, see, it wasn't changing my surroundings. It was that these are people who you know, wanted to connect with me that felt connected right. to me, but something was just, you know, a little bit off. 
And so the validation that I was getting online simply came from the fact that these all people knew that I have herpes. All of these people knew about my status because we're in the same online communities. The people in real life, they didn't know that I had herpes and I never knew how big of an impact this had on me until I began to tell the people in real life that I was going through this. And then it just began to shift to where I was able to be myself. That person that I liked myself as so much online was who I was able to be in real life around my friends. Oh, that's so good. And so, (laughs) thank you, thank you. This was a long journey and realization too, but that's what I'm hoping to do with this podcast group as well is get people to see that. Like, while we're not all getting together in real life, obviously, but the, the risk of man, maybe this person doesn't know that I have herpes. Or maybe, you know, we're sharing these jokes and shit in here. We don't know what's going to happen, but to see a little bit further outside the safety and comfort zone of the groups that are out there exclusive to people who have herpes, I think this is what's going to really help get us to the next level of being able to navigate the stigma in a healthy manner. Well, yeah, because you have, like, truthfully, you get two responses. You have two choices when you tell somebody in your life that you have it like that response is either going to be one of love and understanding or it's going to come from an ignorant and like uneducated and hateful point of view because they've been told their whole lives that people with STDs or STIs are gross and nasty and they don't get it that that you have those two choices essentially whether it's in the form of them being like oh I'm unsure of that I think you're nasty. You get that, or you get, yeah, I understand. Like, can you tell me more about it? Or, yeah, I actually have it too. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, my sister has it, or my friend has it, or I've dated somebody with it. Like, those are your options here. And it's going to show you who genuinely cares about you. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's uh, something that we've touched on on some episodes as well, just like how the responses are going to either be, me too. I don't want anything to do with it or tell me more. Like <laughs> that's generally where your responses are going to fall under. Um, I really, really love, so I'm, I'm going through this myself. Like I've had a lot of, uh, miscommunication. Let's call it that. <laughs> um, in my dating life, like the people that I meet mm-hmm. in person first, who then find out about something positive for positive people, Courtney, um, those are better connections, more meaningful connections, I feel like, um, rather than people who like find the podcast and set these expectations of who I am and then right. begin the whole dating process, you know, without feeling like they need to get to know Courtney. That's been probably one of the bigger struggles. So like when you were talking about having disclosed to your friends and it gave me this idea of, you know, your friend group really being what your dating pool is like that, that really stuck with me because I think that it's important to make friends and then decide, you know, Hey, I like our friendship. Like what else can this be rather than for me going into dating with the intention of dating, because dating itself has so many different layers and levels of expectations beyond like anything. And people oftentimes neglect treating people like a friend and developing that mutual respect for one another because it's like, I want this from you. It's very transactional in a way. Oh, yeah. I actually, uh, I have a really, really good friend who is a relationship anarchist. And that's her number one point is 
relationships are extremely transactional. There's not really a way to get around it. It's I expect this and I'll give you this. Mm. So, yeah. So, yeah, what you're saying holds so much truth. <laughs> like, so much. And it's you need to understand what you're looking for. And if being friends is a big part of that when you're in a romantic relationship, that needs to be expressed beforehand. And then it's extremely hard to do if you're on dating apps or dating people you meet on social media. Yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> and I, I deleted my dating apps and um, I'm making my social media more purpose driven because uh, I recently tried to put all of my self into one space. So the H on my chest, mm-hmm. Instagram, it's my work, it's my passion, it's myself. So like a lot of the relationship dating stuff that I'll post or humor that I have is on there. And I think that that brings people in who are like oh you know i could be friends with h on my chest yeah i like i like this we have a connection we've got stuff in common and i post the herpes stuff and the sex educators and the people with herpes are like oh my god you know this is awesome i connect with something positive for positive people i post my personal training stuff and sometimes clients come in and they're like hey i want to work out with you um but the the jumbling of the i called it integrating all these aspects of myself into one space but uh, this space is more so um, it's I'm, I'm being called to create boundaries around certain aspects of it. So like now I'm making the Instagram page something positive for positive people, the nonprofit. It's OK. <laughs> the nonprofit uh, focus. And then with, it's OK. It's all right. <laughs> and then with the. <laughs> oh, I could pause it. I think. Nope. I can't pause it. I got to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> dog showed up. Oh my god, that dog's huge. <laughs> uh, for <laughs> everybody's <laughs> All right. Okay. Mailman. All good? Oh, dogs do not like yeah. mailman. Um So yeah, what I was just what I was just saying was just that um I'm I'm going back to like creating these different boundaries around my different social media so that they can all be used as, you know, different tools that they are uh, to connect with people. So here's how you can connect with this aspect. Here's how you can connect with that aspect and this aspect. But um, in deleting the dating apps, like I know it's going to be hard as fuck to meet people, but I think my... (laughs) Yeah, this has been the worst, but I I think that it's going to just be my friend group and making friends with people is really what the focus is going to be uh, for me. And then deciding if there's something there to take it from there. Yeah. Can I ask you uh, a slightly personal question? You can ask me whatever you want for the next eight minutes. And then we got to get off of here. Cause it's going to cut off. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like this is a kind of a good point to end this on. So as a black man who does have herpes and who is already dealing with so many social stigmas how are you coping right now in this political climate and you know does it make it harder for you to like interact with people like white people who already fear black people for some unknown reason to me does it make it harder for you to have those interactions having your status disclose publicly do you feel like you're villainized more Mm, no i'll be honest i don't really feel uh villainized uh personally 
Like, I think I have more of an issue with, like, how some people shit on cisgendered heterosexual men, like, publicly on social media. It's like, all right, you had a bad experience with someone and you need to tell them how you feel. Or, like, you need to go to your support system and bitch to them about it. But, like, I know that more than a lot of other stuff going on, like, that really hits me. And it kind of makes me feel like, uh, like I absorb that. And I'm like trying to be less like a cisgendered heterosexual man in a way. Right. But with with all of the other stuff that you said, like, I know that I choose to be in spaces and around people who, um, are, I can have conversations with who are accepting. Mm -hmm. Like I would call it my support system, my support system, even at work. Like I've removed myself from spaces that don't, foster my growth that aren't safe to me um yeah that's what i was about to say like yeah. especially ones like you need to feel safe everyone needs to feel safe but it's like i i was just wondering like just on that like with everything going on now yeah because it just seems like so much for so many people and it's very saddening like yeah. it just really is i have like a 0.5 mile commute to work so like i'm here I'm there, or I'm, I'm on my yeah. way to one of these two places, and, like, if some shit go down there on my way back and forth there, then I ain't safe nowhere. <laughs> right. Uh, so, and, like, adding to what you said about, like, the climate for cisgendered men and heteronormal, or hetero men, like, I try to have conversations within the community, within the LGBTQ plus community, about how it needs to stop appearing as attacking people who aren't a part of our community because that makes us look hateful that makes us look unaccepting it literally is making people perceive us the same way that we perceive people who don't understand our situations and yeah. things that we can't change about ourselves you can't change the fact that you're straight like the same way i can't change the fact that i'm not <laughs> like and i think there is a lot of hate within the community itself towards each other and people of other sexualities or other genders, like whether it be cis or trans or somewhere in between on the non-binary spectrum, like it, there is so much hate towards each other, but also just hate towards the outside. I get it. You're angry, but you need people to understand that like we are supposed to be a safe place for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Which you saw with my flags. Like, I make it known that this is a safe place. <laughs> like, everybody knows. And it's, I share a duplex, and it's very not funny. It's like, it's scary for me sometimes because I go outside, and my neighbors have, a, like, people I share a duplex with have a Trump sign in their window and call me slurs when I walk out of my house. Oh, jeez. So, it is. Oh, yeah. At it's, least be respectful sick. about it, you know? Like, y'all should be able to say hi. Right. <laughs> stuff came out on their end and they put that sign up and I was like okay I'm not going to continue to hide who I am and the people that I support to make you comfortable because obviously I'm not getting that same respect so I'm going to make who I am known like and it's as simple as that yeah uh that was something I wanted to touch on but we've only got a few minutes before I need to close this out of here um Nope, I lost it. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Do you have anything that you want to close us out with or leave us with? You want to advertise your camming name or something or what? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, um, on Unlook 
it sounds. But also, I really, really wanted to touch on the main reason for this podcast, which is suicide prevention. And if I know that, like, a lot of younger people who don't know their status or do and don't feel like they have anyone to reach out to, if you go looking, I promise there are resources for you. This podcast, your Facebook group, Courtney, there are people here that are going to accept you no matter what, no matter how you got HSV, no matter what kind of person that you were when you got it, whether you were an addict or you weren't, there, no matter what your sexuality or your race is, there are people out here who want to help you because we've lost too many people ourselves, and we don't want your HSV status being the reason that you decide to not be around and be a light for other people, because I struggled with suicide myself, especially after losing so many people, even as a kid. And I am really glad that I stuck it out, and I was able to find the resources I need. There's always the prevention hotlines, and honestly, if you feel like you're a danger to yourself, please, please check yourself in somewhere. It might not be your sunshine and rainbows, but you need to start your path to getting the help that you need and finding a community where you feel safe and loved. Thank you. Adding to that, you know, this moment wouldn't be what it is right now without you. You are necessary to it. Thank you. Um, it's hard being younger and with it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm impressed. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> everything about this, everything about, you know, just your energy, how you carry yourself, how you talk about this, and especially being so young. And you stopped drinking as soon as you could legally start drinking. That's crazy, yeah. too. But um, Yeah, I don't. Oh, congrats. Look at you. Thank Talk you. about the come up. <laughs> I'm really happy about it. Cause, and a lot of it's really um, selfish things. Like, I like that I don't have wrinkles and I don't want to get smoker's lines or, you know, like have it happen from drinking or anything like that. But at the same time, like, I grew up around people who were addicts, whether it be hard drugs or drinking or just cigarettes. Like, it's, it's not a good look. Like, yeah. it's truly not. And, but if you need advice, make sure that you're doing it in moderation, please. Like, that's the big thing. I couldn't with drinking. I started using it to cope with my anxiety and kind of help me forget about my status and about my depression and where I was in life. And I decided I couldn't do that anymore. It wasn't healthy for me. It wasn't healthy for my family. It wasn't healthy for my partner. And it wasn't a good example for my sisters. Yeah. All right, Gemini. Thank you so much for your time. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share, and donate to Something Positive for Positive People if you have the means to do so. So there's a bunch of options for you to support the podcast. And again, the Facebook group, if you just search for it and then uh, ask to join the group, I'll add you um, as a podcast listener. This is the only way I'm going to promote it. I'm not going to post about it. I'm not going to ask people to join. I'm going to share it on this podcast and I have... A couple of people from Instagram accounts that I would like to join and be able to share their information and um, just we'll see what this turns into. We'll see what this community develops into um, over time as it continues to grow. So 
Um, again, we got people in therapy here in the state of Missouri, thanks to all of the monetary donations that have been given. And the more money we get, the further out we can expand into other states and continue to get support for people who are living with HSV and help them navigate the stigma at no cost to them. Till next time, stay sex positive. That's it.